You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Good morning. We are on week five of our series, Gospel, Good News for Who? And actually, this is the second to last week. So next week will be the final week of the series, and then we'll be jumping into a Christmas series uh, right after that. And so I want to begin this morning by just asking you all a simple question. Why are you here? <laughs> why, and I don't mean that mean, why are you at church this morning? Have, have you thought about how many little yeses it actually took for you to get here this morning? You had to say yes to setting an alarm this morning, probably way earlier than you wanted to. You had to say yes, in some cases, to shoveling a driveway or brushing snow off a car. You had to say yes to wrangling some little munchkins with coats and mittens and hats and all of that stuff getting out the door. You had to say yes to getting dressed yourself. Thank you for saying yes to getting dressed yourself. (laughs) Maybe you're online and you're like, I didn't say yes to getting dressed. That's why I'm not there this morning. If you're here in person, you said yes to getting in your car and spending your own gas money. For some of you, you said yes to walking into a place, a church that maybe you've been hurt by the church in the past. And so even to say yes to walk through some front doors feels like a risk. But to be here, you also had to say no to some things too, didn't you? You had to say no to sleeping in. You had to say no to convenience. In some cases, you had to say no to deer hunting. Some of you didn't say no to deer hunting. I'm watching you. Some of you said no actually to coming in person because it felt like such a risk to walk into a church building. You said no to some things as well. The truth is every single moment of our lives, like every single moment of our lives, we are saying yes or no. Every single moment of our lives has a yes and a no that are attached to it, don't they? We're always saying yes to something and we're always saying no to other things. The question for this morning And like the the hinge point, kicker question for this morning is this, is my life saying yes to God? Is my life saying yes to God? One of the clearest ways that I'll often hear God speak to me personally, and it's not in an audible voice, but it's in this like deep, like gut conviction kind of way, is, is he'll say, Brad, I'm calling you to say yes right now. Give me your yes, I will bless your yes. And he'll, he'll say it even more harshly sometimes. If you say no to me in this moment, you're being disobedient to me. This is one of the ways that God speaks to me regularly. He does it in small things. He does it in big things. I, uh, I, I drive over the door uh, overpass quite often because we live right off the door exit. And uh, the last like couple months, time and time again, there's been like cars broken down on the door exit. And there was one time when Sam and I were driving home from Nashville, and so we were like at the very end of an eight-hour drive, and we're getting off the highway uh, onto the door exit, and there's a car broken down, and we're like ready to see our kids. We're two minutes from home after an eight-hour drive, and the Holy Spirit just like said, you need to turn around, and you need to go speak to that that person. I'm like, yeah, but we've been driving for eight hours. Like, don't you know how badly we want to get home? He said, no. Like, If you say no to me, if you keep driving, you will be disobedient to me right now. 
And so we turned around and we went and we talked to this person. And you know what happened out of that? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Nothing happened out of it. And that's okay. Because we don't live for the results. We live to be obedient to the voice of God in our lives. Right? And, and multiple times that has happened over the last couple months on the door exit. And let's be honest, like, who am I going to fix somebody's car for them? I maybe give them a ride to the gas station or something like that. But I don't have a lot to offer in that case. But it's happened in big things, too. I, I remember even, like, when, uh, when we were praying about whether or not to come move down here to Wayland and uh, to, to become the pastor here and just praying and wrestling with God about that, I remember so clearly him saying to us, like, I will bless your yes. I'll bless your yes. Just trust me with it. You don't, you don't get to define what that blessing looks like. Just trust me with it. He does that so many times in my life, and, and maybe he does that in yours too, where he says, I will bless your yes. Just trust me with the results. Uh, when I think about the idea of saying yes to God, I think about this quote from John Wesley all the time, and I, this is one of my favorite quotes uh, from him. He says this. He says, Give me 100 people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I don't care whether they are pastors or lay people, they will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Give me 100 people willing to say yes to God. And I just say one of the things that God has really worked on in my heart over the last couple years is I would take 100 people on fire for the gospel in a church over a thousand butts and seats any day of the week. Right? Like, like God is looking for our yes. And so what I want to do today is I want to just give us three snapshots from Scripture of the power of what it means when we actually say yes to God with our lives. So the first person that we're going to look at today is we're going to look at a guy named Jonah. Now Jonah, if you grew up in Sunday school, is probably a familiar person from the Bible for you. If you didn't grow up in church, I'll, I'll kind of tell his story a little bit uh, this morning. But Jonah is a Jewish prophet, and he, uh, he finds himself kind of right, it's a very short, very small story. It reads, takes about five minutes to read through his entire story. We're not going to do that today. Uh, but Jonah is a Jewish prophet, and he is called by God to go to a place called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is not a Jewish people. Nineveh is a group of pagans, a Gentile people. And so this story is unique because it's God calling a Jewish prophet to go to a Gentile people and preach a message of repentance. This does not happen all that often. Okay, and so God calls Jonah to go to this people called Nineveh. And I want you to watch what happens as Jonah is called by God. Verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, that's a fun word to say, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to, there it is again, Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now that statement there at the end, away from the presence of the Lord, some translations say in the opposite direction of the place that God was calling him. And if, if you know the story of Jonah, his, his life, honestly, is kind of one big no to God. Right? He's not really a guy that says yes to God. 
So he goes on this boat, and there's this giant storm that comes, and he's sleeping in the bottom of the ship, and the sailors wake him up, and they're like, what's going on, what's going on? And after a whole process, they determine Jonah is the one at fault, and so they're going to throw him overboard. And so they throw him overboard into the sea, he sinks down, and he's swallowed by a what? Whale, giant fish, however you want to say it. And so he's swallowed, and he spends three days in the belly of this fish, and then after three days, he's vomited up onto the shore, and uh, he ends up going to Nineveh. Now, can you imagine how that would have looked, how that would have smelled? <laughs> Not great, right? And so here's this guy, and Jonah may have reeked of fish, but his life reeked of disobedience to God. And so he ends up reluctantly going to Nineveh after his time in the fish. He speaks repentance to the nations, to this nation. They repent, right? They go through this whole process of repentance. God relents his judgment. He's merciful towards Nineveh. And what is Jonah's response? He's just kind of mad. He's like, God, you're too merciful to this Gentile pagan people. You're too merciful. You're too loving. You're too slow to anger. He basically lectures God on this whole thing. And then God gives him a plant, and he's more mad that the plant dies. And, if people, and it's this whole thing. But Jonah's life is kind of like, yes, no, yes, no. Ultimately, it's, it's kind of a no to God. His story is not a super uplifting, happy tale. In, in fact, it literally ends with God lecturing Jonah about how he's more concerned about a plant than he is about people. And, and the reason that I, I bring up that story even today is because I, I just want to begin even, even here this morning by asking the question, where is your life saying no to God? Where is your life saying no to God right now? You know, when I think about kind of our story, and uh, a significant part of our story is doing foster care. We've been foster parents for about eight, nine years, and uh, have had a lot of kids in our home and out of our home. And we've, we've gotten calls that we've said yes to for foster kids. We've gotten calls that we've said no to. We've tried to de- be really in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants us to do in any given moment when it comes to foster care. But there's one uh, story, one instance that I'll never forget when it comes to God asking us to say yes to him. And it was while we were on a cruise, of all places. And so we're on this cruise many, many years ago in the Caribbean, and we're stopped in Cozumel, Mexico. And so Sam and I, we go and we find an internet cafe because we're millennials that are dying without our internet for the last few days, okay? So, I'm kidding, but not really. Uh, <laughs> so we go and we find this internet cafe, and uh, I, have, um, I have a voicemail on my phone, and so I listen to this voicemail. And basically what had happened is about a month or two before, we had had a foster care case that had wrapped up. So we had sent these girls home. They were with their parents, and we have this voicemail that said, hey, uh, these girls actually, they're going to need to be adopted. They are going to uh, need to come back into foster care. They're going to need to be adopted. And since you guys were the family that had them, um, would you want to take them back in your home and adopt them? And I don't remember if we called them back right from that cafe or uh, once we got back from the trip, but I'll never forget the moment. We, We called back the foster care agency, and we said no. And not to say that there's anything wrong with saying no, like sometimes God, I believe, calls us to say no, but I really believe in this moment that, that God was calling us to say yes, that he was calling us to be obedient to him, and out of disobedience, we actually said no to him in this moment. And so what happened is we got back on the cruise ship, a giant storm came, they threw us overboard in a whale, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nothing really happened out of that. 
But here's where God really convicted me on this. God really convicted me on this because he said, your no wasn't coming from listening to my voice. And by the way, these kids ended up in a great family that we know even to this day. They're, they're a phenomenal family that they ended up with. But, but what God really convicted me on with this moment is he said, if you don't let me call the shots in your life, then something else will. Whether it's fear, whether it's convenience, whether it's selfishness or false sense of security, if you don't let me call the shots in your life, something else will. And for me personally in that moment, fear is what was calling, inconvenience is what was calling the shot in my life, not God. And as I think about that, there's so many different ways that our lives say no to God. Like maybe you've told God, I'm sure some of us have, I know I have, how many of us have ever said, it's not a good time right now, God? It's not a good time right now. It's just, it's just not convenient. It's not a good time right now. Can I tell you something? It never is. Like if you're listening to God's voice in your life, if you're listening and you're wanting to say yes to him and all things, it never feels like a good time if you're not used to saying yes. Never. It's not a good time to step into this new calling. It's not a good time to go on this missions trip. It's not a good time to start giving. It's not a good time right now. Friends, it never feels like a good time with God. And, and I just picture even in this moment of like me saying it's not a good time right now to God, him saying like, my son, don't you even know that like if I stop thinking about you for a moment, your life just like disappears like a vapor in the wind? But tell me again how it's not a good time for you. Right? Or my, my daughter, do you not understand that I sent my son I handed him over into the hands of sinners, and he was mocked, and he was beaten, and he was murdered, all for the sake of your redemption. And my invitation to you is to take a small part, a microscopic role in telling that redemption story to the world, but come again on how it's not a good time for you. We say no to God in so many different ways. Or how about, how about this one? Maybe you say an initial yes to God. Like, I got inspired after a teaching or I got, you know, motivated after a podcast or whatever it might be. And you have an initial yes to God, but then you hit some level of resistance, right? My yes all of a sudden is met with inconvenience or it costs me something. There's some sacrifice involved. And so then our yes has a slow fade into a no because it becomes hard or mundane or real life happens. Friends, Our yes that becomes no is ultimately a no to God. Or here's another one, this last one here. How many of us have ever said to God, God would never call me there, or I could never? How many of us have ever used the word never with God? I've learned to be very, very careful with the word never (laughs) when it comes to God. right? Because sometimes the calling that he places on on our lives, sometimes the yes that he calls us into is things that we would never have imagined. And the blessing he has for us on the other side is far more than what we could have ever dreamed. And so, as we close up kind of this first snapshot, why is Jonah's story in there? Like, why is such a depressing kind of want-want story in there? Well, it's because it points us to a different Jonah, a true and better Jonah, a Jonah who actually said yes to God's call in his life named Jesus. And there's this moment in the Gospels where different religious groups come together. The Pharisees and the Sadducees come together, and they want to test Jesus. And he actually points them to Jonah, and I want you to watch what he says here in Matthew 16, verses 1 and 4. 
And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, I want you just to imagine this for a moment. The Pharisees and the Sadducees never really came together about anything. Okay, they were mortal enemies, like Republicans and Democrats coming together on something. But they shared a common hatred and disdain for this guy named Jesus. And so they come together to test him, and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And this is Jesus' response. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed them. So they're asking for a sign. And Jesus points them to the sign of Jonah. Now, why would he do this? Well, there's a couple different layers that Jesus is getting at here. And this is just why Jesus is so sassy and provocative and brilliant in this moment, okay? Like, he really comes at these people. He's kind of saying two things here when he's pointing them back to Jonah. On one hand, he's saying, you guys kind of embody the spirit of Jonah. Right? This is a people group, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whose lives stood in opposition to God's plan for the world. Right? The idea that good news, that gospel would be available for people outside of the Jewish community, for the nations, for other people groups, that would have been highly offensive to this group of people. So he's pointing out their own kind of resistance to God's call on their life, but he's also pointing out how he is the ultimate sign of Jonah standing right in front of them. You see, Jonah's story is one of being tossed into a watery grave, buried for three days in the belly of the whale, and then resurrected out of that whale for the sake of the gospel going forth to the nations. And what Jesus is saying here to the Pharisees right in front of them is he is saying, I am the true and better, the new Jonah. I will die and be buried for three days and resurrected. And guess what's going to happen as a result? The gospel will go forth to all nations. Jesus is the picture of what it looks like when a life says yes to God in all things. He is the new Jonah. He is the true and better Jonah. He's basically saying, what more of a sign could you possibly need than the one who is standing right here in front of you? In one statement, he is indicting those whose lives say no to God and demonstrating how powerfully God can bless our yes to him. The sign of Jonah wasn't just that Jesus would say yes to God in his death or just that he would resurrect, but that God would bless his yes by the gospel being spread to all people, to the nations. Friends, God is waiting to bless your yes. The sign of Jonah is what happens when we are willing to actually die to ourselves like Jesus and enter a new life and carry this gospel message with us. This is what it means to say yes to Jesus. That you are not just dying to yourself and you're not just resurrected into new life, but you actually have this gospel message to carry with you when you go. The gospel is only good news if it gets there. And so many of us, that's where we get hung up. We, we love the idea of Jesus being good news and transforming our lives. But are we willing to carry that gospel message where we go? Because that's where Jonah ultimately said no to God. Your yes will always cost you something. Jesus' yes cost him his life. Your yes will cost you something. Whether that's comfort or convenience or safety or control, 
And I believe that there are some of us here that God has been nudging us to say yes to something for the last several months. And I will bless your yes. I want your yes. And I don't know what that is for you. You do. And I believe some of us, like today is a a moment in our lives where we actually say, okay, I'm going to put a stake in the ground. I'm going to say yes. It's not that you're saying no explicitly. You're just pushing off your yes over and over, plugging your ears and saying, la, 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 I can't hear you, God. I believe today he's calling some of us to say yes. Church, is your life saying yes to God? Are you willing to go where he wants you to go? To give what he wants you to give, to give up what he wants you to give up, to serve where he wants you to serve, or does your life just say, I could never do that? Give me 100 people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I don't care whether they are pastors or lay people, they will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven here on earth. This past spring, I had the chance to lead a team uh, to Guatemala. And we got to witness some really beautiful and really incredible things. And one of the things that I've learned and observed even being part of global missions is that um, global missions, like gospel to the nations, is not just extracurricular when it comes to the gospel message. It's core curriculum. Jesus' final charge to his disciples was a global mission to take the gospel forward to every nation and every tribe and people group. And uh, one of the things that we got to witness, our team did there, is we we served with a a church in a a small Guatemalan community, a small city. And uh, this, right a couple doors down from this church was this nursing home kind of community. It was like this square of um, probably about a dozen or 15 residents um, of elderly age living in this community. And uh, this community had been widely forgotten by the world around them. Just kind of outcast. They had so many health issues in this community. Like nobody paid attention to this community. And the residents were depressed. The residents were passing away. Massive, massive health issues. All of this stuff. And uh, this church exists just a couple doors down from this elderly community. And this church already runs a regular kind of Sunday school, daycare program, VBS type thing. Uh, where they have kids coming into their building every single day of the week. And so this church sees down the road this elderly community, and literally, I mean, it's like a block away. They can walk there easily. And they see this community with such deep needs. And this church doesn't have a lot. They don't have a lot of resources available to them. But they see this elderly community with needs, and they actually say, you know what? God is calling us to say yes to this community. And so what they did is they hired a a live-in nurse that actually now lives in the community and provides medical care for all of these residents. Our team got to go in to several of the the kind of dorms or or, um, apartments that these elderly residents had, and we got to see pastors just laying hands on these residents and praying for them. They bring the kids over to play with this elderly community now, and uh, literally this kid, probably not more than seven, eight years old, he preaches the gospel Like, not just, like, reciting, like, a verse that he was, no, like, full-on preaches the gospel to this community. All because a church was willing to say yes to God's call on their lives. And, by the way, that old lady on the left was, like, one of my favorite people I've ever met. I think she ate, like, 14 plates of food for the hour that we were there and, like, took a crack at that piñata. It was incredible. She's not hitting a child there. It's a piñata. So, just so you're, 
aware. But as a result of their yes, the gospel's being spread in this community. And our team that's going this coming January actually gets to be a part of serving that specific community. And I'm so excited to see what God continues to do. See, church, we are a church that is called not to this region, but we're called to the nations, both and, not either or. Right? Oftentimes we'll say, well, why would we go and serve in other nations when we have needs here? Because it's both and, not either or. This is the rhythm of Jesus' gospel. This is the rhythm that he set up for us. His final charge to his disciples, like I said already, is go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. In other words, this is an invitation for a new generation of Jonah not to be like old Jonah's. A new generation of God's people to say yes to the calling that he has on our lives. And that's ultimately what happens with Jesus' disciples, this core group of 11 Um, 11 after Judas, that ultimately gave their lives to becoming missionaries, to bringing the gospel forward to the nations. And one of these guys is a guy named Peter. And Peter is probably my favorite disciples of all of them. Peter is a new generation of Jonah. You see, like Jonah, Peter was resistant to the call that God had on his life to bring this gospel to other people groups outside of the Jewish community to bring this gospel to pagan nations, to Gentile nations. He's initially resistant to this. He he believed that the gospel was designed to say separate. Jews over here, Gentiles over here, just like Jonah. But where Jonah said no, Peter ultimately said yes. And you have this picture in Acts 10 where the Holy Spirit Just like the three days that Jonah sent in the whale, the Holy Spirit gives Peter a vision three different times to go and bring the gospel to this Gentile man named Cornelius. And Peter brings the gospel to Cornelius, and he speaks the gospel to this Gentile guy named Cornelius, despite his initial resistance. Peter is initially resistant to this. He's saying, like, I don't want to go preach the gospel to unclean people, and the Holy Spirit says, do not call unclean what I have called clean, and he, he calls Peter to bring this gospel message with him, and Peter ultimately says yes to bringing the gospel to Cornelius, and this is what happens in Acts 10. This is the last snapshot that we'll be looking at. Today in Acts chapter 10, verses 42 through 48, it says this. And so this is Peter speaking. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. So he's speaking about Jesus. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Again, Jonah is pointing to Jesus. All the prophets bear witness to this. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Why does this matter so much? It's easy living in a country like America to think that we are Jesus' ethnic insiders. But the very reason that you and I are sitting in a Christian church, and if you are a Christian here today and you are claiming the name of Jesus, the very reason that that is the case right now is because Peter's 
decided to bring the gospel to non-Jewish people, to the Gentile world. We are the nations that benefit from the fact that people took Jesus' message seriously and said yes to him. We are the ultimate benefactors of that. And that's beautiful. And here's what's so awesome about Peter's story. Here's what's crazy. Jonah was in Joppa when he said no to God's calling on his life to bring the gospel to the nations. I'll give you one guess where Peter was when he said yes to God. Joppa. The same exact location where Jonah said no, Peter said yes. God will bless your yes, church. Here's the thing, and this is what I want to be really clear about. God blessed Jesus' yes, and it cost Jesus' his life. God blessed Peter's yes, and he was a martyr for the sake of the gospel. I don't want to sugarcoat this. You do not get to define what the blessing is. But what we see over and over and over again, patterned in Scripture, is that when people say yes, the power of the Holy Spirit is consistently poured out. God moves in those places. We don't always get to pick how he moves. We don't always get to define the way he moves exactly, but he moves and he pours out blessing on people because his people said yes. So what I want to do for the rest of our time together is I want to invite up um, a friend of mine and uh, a really important part of this church, Mal Walker. And I asked Mal if she'd just be willing to share some of her story with us today. Now, Mal is someone who's been a part of New Life for the last year. So you came in December, and you've gotten plugged into different ministries. You've maybe seen her singing on the worship team. Um, she's in a small group with young adults, uh, serves in our student ministry as well. Um, and Mel, actually, her family was on the launch team for New Life. So she's got, like, some long history with our church as well. She's from Hopkins. And Mel is just someone who has um, felt the calling on, of God on her life to say yes specifically to the area of the nations and, and bringing this message globally. And she'll be on our Guatemala trip and helping lead it. Um, we'll have some more information about that soon, but helping lead it in January. But I just asked if she'd be willing to share a portion of her story. Can y'all hear me? Okay, great. Yeah, so I'm really excited to share my story with you today because this is my church home. This is my family. I consider y'all my family. And so to get to share with you what the Lord has done in my life um, in the area of turning my heart to missions, um, I'm really excited to get to do, and I hope it's encouragement to you. So I need you to know, to start, my heart has not always been for missions. It hasn't, but it is today. And so I want to share with you a little bit about that story. So my missions story really starts when I met Jesus, when I was 18 years old. I knew God before that, but I really didn't have a relationship with him until I turned 18. And so um, it was then that I started to believe that I needed a savior and that that savior could take my brokenness and make something beautiful with it. And so um, I, I put my faith in Jesus and I accepted him as my savior. And it was several months after this, I started attending um, a Christian university and they gave us an opportunity to go to Puerto Rico for 10 days to do some hurricane. Um, hurricane Maria had just hit. So to do some missions um, there to do some hurricane relief. And so I thought about it and I didn't really go for the reasons that I probably should have. <laughs> I wanted to travel, and my late grandfather really cared about the camp that we were going to go down and serve at, and so I wanted to feel connected to him, and so I raised just a little bit of money, and uh, I said yes to the 10 days. 
and um, I spent Thanksgiving there in 2017. And on this trip, to be honest, I can't really point to one moment where I feel like my life was changed or my heart was pulled for missions. That's not really my story, um, th- something happening in a moment. It's more small moments um, where God was uh, creating opportunities for me to give small yeses. And so as I came home from this trip, honestly, I really didn't think that I cared at all to be a missionary for my life, (laughs) for my career. Um, But I did start pondering kind of an idea of what if, just simple what ifs. So what if I could go on one more mission trip? And that became, um, what if I could go for longer than 10 days? To what if I could go somewhere for maybe a couple months, and now my yeses um, and my what ifs are really, what if I could do this? What if I could go to unreached people in unreached nations and tell them the truth of Jesus? And so God took my simple yes for 10 days in Puerto Rico and made it a resounding yes and forever, amen. I will serve you where and how you please. I want to serve you, God. But this didn't happen one day sitting in my car or my house in just a simple moment. Um, It happened when I said yes to accept Jesus as my Savior. Um, And it happened when I said yes to serving in a local church. And then yes to Puerto Rico for 10 days. Later, yes to Africa for six months. And after that, Nicaragua for six months. Um, The yeses that have become something beautiful in my life are not my own doing. They are the work of Jesus. um, And I have had a lot of no's. (laughs) And I still have a lot of no's, just like Jonah. But um, any yes in my life is a miraculous work of Jesus. It always just shows me that Jesus cares about using broken people. I think he does this intentionally. Um, Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, So I want to emphasize, speaking from my own story, that God uses broken people on purpose as a display of how his mercy and his grace find us and they change us. So you can see a little bit from my story how God uses broken people to do kingdom work, but why is my kingdom work missions? Why not just serving here in my city, which I love, um, and why not just here in my country? Um, And the answer to that is that I personally have a conviction um, when I think about the people around the world who without somebody going and telling them the gospel of Jesus, they will never hear it. You would be shocked at how many countries in this world have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they never will unless somebody goes. The missionary heart of God is all over the Bible I personally have never really had a moment where I feel like the Lord has audibly spoken to me and asked me to become a missionary. And I, I know the Lord works in that ways, but I also have not personally experienced it. So I know he doesn't always work in that way. <laughs> but as I read scripture, um, I, I see the heart of God. I've heard it said once that um, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear him speak out loud, read your Bible out loud. (laughs) And so as I read scripture, I'm going to read some out loud today. Um, The heart of God calling us and wanting us to care about the nations is everywhere. I'm going to share some examples. Um, One is Mark 16, 5. um, And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Plain and simple. 
Romans 10, 13 through 15, one of the most convicting ones for me, says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Remember that. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In regards to being sent, we're not excused. John 20, 21 says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also am sending you. My yes honestly started as an accident on my behalf, but it was no accident in the eyes of the Lord because he was working things together, building bigger and bigger yeses in me, showing me that he could use me for something great, use me to share the gospel. The Lord has continually shown me that I need to confront the question when thinking about the unreached nations, what if somebody doesn't go? Just think about that a minute. What if nobody goes? All of us are called to be a part of missions in one way or another. Um, not all of us are meant to be the people that go. That's just a reality. Um, but as you start giving the Lord your yeses, he's going to show you where your next yeses are. He's going to make it really clear. There's a Christian author who's really well respected, and he has a quote when it comes to talking about uh, people's involvement in missions, and um, this is John Piper, and I think this is really bold, (laughs) be prepared, but I think that it's something we really need to think about. And he says, um, in regards to people's involvement with missions, he said, there are goers, there are doers, and there are disobeyers. And I think um, in regards to the goers, the people that, that they will go to the nations and the doers, the people who, who might um, provide financially or provide in prayer or um, bring awareness to the people in the congregations back home about what the Lord is doing overseas, there is involvement in many ways. Um, but Jesus calls us all to be a part of missions in the Great Commission. And so I challenge you today to just start thinking and praying about where your yeses could be. Um, And Brad's going to kind of mention some of those in just a minute. But kind of just a final challenge for you is um, an encouragement for you. I think this would really encourage is that in Jeremiah, we're told that um, if we seek the Lord with all of our heart, we will find him. And so I just challenge and encourage you, seek him in this matter, and he will show you where your yeses are in this. Awesome. Thank you for, for sharing that, Mal. Uh, you know, even as she was sharing that, I, uh, I began thinking, um, and I want to invite Jess up here as well. Um, I began thinking about uh, this thing I learned in um, some of the psychology courses I took in college called bystander effect. And bystander effect is this idea, and it's kind of a universal phenomenon where um, we drive by somebody on the side of the road and we just assume somebody else will help them. Like the next person will stop or the next person will say something or the next person will go on the trip or the next person will say yes. And when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to carrying this good news that isn't good news unless it gets where it needs to go, there is no plan B. Like like God chose the local church to be the vehicle that his gospel, his good news is proclaimed throughout the world. And so... Do you have a bystander effect in your faith that if, if I don't do it, well, somebody else will just do it instead? Or are you willing to say yes to God and where he is calling you to go and what he is calling you to do? And so we just want to end with this question here uh, today is where do I need to say yes to God? 
I believe there are two groups of people in the room here. I believe that there are some who, um, who have been saying small yeses to God in their lives, and God is actually calling them to step into a bigger yes, to say yes to something that feels even scarier or more bold. And, and if that's you, uh, maybe for you it's a, it's a yes to go on a global missions trip. We have a trip in January. That trip's full, but we're working on planning other trips next year. If that's you and God is just stirring something in your heart around global missions, um, Mal and Jess is a Zero Collective resident who is helping lead this January trip as well. So these two ladies will be kind of co-leading it, and Mal will be our local face for missions. But they would love to talk to you after this service. They'd love to talk to you about Guatemala and, and what's coming up next. Actually, Jess just got back from a trip to Guatemala, so she's been already um, with the organization that we're going with. Uh, but they're just going to take down your information and um, keep you in the loop as far as what it looks like when we plan future trips, even next year. Our goal is to have two of them a year that we offer. And uh, so they're a great resource to talk to after this service. Uh, but maybe you're here and you haven't started a rhythm in your life of saying small yeses to God. There are opportunities to say small yeses to God, too. Two of them we've already talked about in this service. We have a hand-to-hand ministry that's serving 40 kids in our local schools here. And uh, we need people to partner with us on that. Whether you're involved in a packing party after second service or you grab a slip out of the table to donate. Uh, The other one is our essential store Christmas blessing tree. That is a very accessible way to bless and sponsor and, and carry the gospel with you. Um, to bless local families here in our community. So our, our job as a church, here's the thing. I make suggestions as a pastor, you make decisions, okay? So we've laid out a lot of suggestions. I, I hope the Holy Spirit really speaks to you as far as where he is calling you to say yes in this next season. And so as we close and we respond in worship, I'd love, Jess, if you don't mind, just praying for us to close us out. Yeah, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for just meeting us here this morning. Thank you for... Just filling this place with your presence, Lord, Um, it is so tangible as we are just in here. Thank you just for the message that Brad shared and that Mal shared just from their heart, Lord, and that you were speaking to us through them. I pray that as we walk out these doors, Lord, that you would just start to stir something in us, stir something in our spirit, Lord. If we've been saying small yeses, Lord, we praise you for that and we thank you for that. But we also pray that if you are leading us to a big yes, that you just grant us in our trust and that you walk alongside of us as we go through that, because it can be scary, Lord, and we can let fear, insecurity, and convenience just rule our lives, Lord. But I pray that the fear of God would just overtake that and that our trust in you and confidence in you would just be so much more, Lord. And I pray that as you just begin to work in our lives, that we can just see your hand moving and just that those doors would be open and that we see them. And I pray that you just grant us a new sense of sensitivity to you and to your Holy Spirit, Lord, as you guide us and direct us. Um, And we just thank you, Lord, for your love and just um, all that you do for us, Lord. So just go with us throughout this week. Just be with us in our quiet time with you, that your voice would just be heard and that we will just say yes to you in so many new ways. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love. Amen.